0: The coal industry is dying in Wyoming, kept alive by brutal repression of dissenting opinion, brutal cancellation of promised benefits, and even lawsuits. When Black Jewel closed the Eagle Butte and Bel Air Mines last year, Lynn Huskinson got laid off. She had the option of taking retirement and she did, but rather than get the hell out of here, she became an activist and then a progressive candidate for Wyoming House. Her district, 32, is one of the most pro-coal and pro-Trump regions in the country. Lynn lost her race, but in the long run, her candidacy was a win, because it previews the policy changes we'll need if Wyoming is to get to a better place. This is Lynn's story. But first, if you support this content and want to keep it available to the public for free, please support us at patreon.com solidarityhouse. For $5 a month, you support great podcasts about Wyoming politics and lots of other topics centered on political and economic issues of interest to everyone around the world. That's patreon.com slash solidarity house. And now our discussion with labor activist and former house candidate Lynn Huskinson. I think that there is a growing number of Wyomingites who understand that the economy needs to change and that our energy systems need to change. The question is how can we how can we organize and win in the environment that we're in?
1: Up here in Coal Country, I don't think people realize because we have such an abundance of coal, they don't understand that the markets have changed. They it's always bounced back. Like a lot of my friends that uh return to the same mine site you know they're a little leery and everything is slowed down so much they know that uh, coal is dying just because they don't see the production that we used to or look listen to me we people's news sources I don't think they even like myself I didn't I, I took research and really opening my eyes to figure out that the coal is collapsing and even with Peabody and making the announcements that they have in the last couple of days, you know, but there's always seems like people hang on to this glimmer of hope that it's going to come back. Cause it has so many different times, not we saw in the eighties, but in nineties, but I don't know. In uh, Campbell County, they buy into the narrative of the whole Trump, energy dominance we're going to get it back we're going to find a way we're going to scratch back and get you know uh, this with uh carbon capture and that facility it's disturbing that even the governor has gone from our coal production to like how we're gonna you know move forward with carbon capture which is so you know we should have been on that 30 years ago and I don't, I just, the narrative is so weird. It's like, I've talked to people that are minors. Um, I've asked them, what do you think about this carbon capture? Are you going to still stay in the industry? Are you going to be able to stay in the industry? And they're like, you know, that's going to be a handful of people. It's not going to be um, the employment we see with um, shipping trains out of here. You know, I know that we're, I worked, they've lost a huge contract. It's changed it changes so fast. You know, it's like they project that we're gonna get they're gonna get 14 million tons, but in reality, it's it just changes with COVID and everything that's happened. And and, and it's weird to discuss because in my mind, I've looked at so many different news sources that, you know, I I I can I it's not my livelihood. So people have a uh as far as coal mining, it's their livelihood. So they are going to try to look at it a different way or maybe be oblivious to it because it keeps them in this kind of like comfort zone that, you know, they're always going to eke out something with
0: coal. and. But right it's really now, a boss narrative. I mean, it's really the narrative yeah. of the bosses, right?
1: Yes, because people went back to work here. I have a friend up the street, her, her um, boyfriend, started working out there uh like he was working for a a contractor and then they convinced him to you know start up with the mine and yeah they're told that you know we got 10 to 15 years left here and it's then people that are you know uh that have been in the mining business forever like my buddies are like they're thinking too if they get two more years, three more years, you know, they just want to stash money, which I did too. Sure. I started getting, I started getting my pension and uh, I, that's what saved me when we got laid off by Black Jewel. Mm -hmm. If I would have prepared, I would have been in the same boat. A lot of these kids were where they were living, you know, basically paycheck to paycheck. Strange now as somebody that's retired and who's really trying to, save her money and try to not spend I went from a a totally different um, perspective of being a miser from somebody that was just like buying a car every two years you know when I first started
0: now were you were you part of the layoffs at Black Jewel and then you just picked retirement do
1: you have the whole narrative the whole narrative was that you know they missed the paycheck People were like told they could go home because our employer didn't make their paycheck. This is the whole weekend when it all blew sky high. Mm -hmm. And then, uh, I decided to hang out and work and, uh, come Sunday morning, they hauled us all upstairs. I was working nights and said, you know, um, we're going to go for bank, uh, bankruptcy. It's our final, this is going to be, uh, better for everyone. And then that next afternoon, after I woke up, I was already taking a vacation day, but I was told, you know, my supervisor called and said, unfortunately, they didn't uh, approve the bankruptcy and we're all, as of now, we're locked out and unemployed. So I was like, well, you know, with Black Jewel, it was, you know, they had missed pay periods several times. They've been Mm -hmm. caught dipping into our 401k and our HSA and so I was like you know um, heck I was the old diehard that you never it'd be a blizzard and you'd still have to call up and make sure you can go to work for your, I mean you get to work because you know they just never cancelled anything so I was thinking uh, this will be a couple of days I'll be back to work but no I ended up in the unemployment office and signing up for unemployment insurance and It was probably, I think it was October, the third week of October before they called. And I just, I didn't return their call because I I did get a voicemail saying, we're just wondering if you wanted to come back to work, blah, blah, blah. And by that point, I was like, oh, I had 39 years in as a coal miner. I just, I wasn't, I, I couldn't, I couldn't go back. And work for uh, management that was still there that it, you know. Mm -hmm.
0: Right. And for how long and under what conditions and like, you know, everything could change the next day or whatever.
1: Well, there was no, uh, my thing was there was nothing written. I mean, the uh, whole process was like word of mouth. I mean, they were like encouraging people to come out to work on Facebook and there was a bunch of favoritism and it was... You're, you're receiving me- messages through Facebook uh, about your employment. I just thought it was really cheap. And I was even told that, you know, they don't have 13 cents for a, a letter. Or, you know, they were basically saying that they don't have any money to send you a letter saying this and this and this. And this is your job offer. It was just word of mouth. And it was like, I wasn't going to play that game.
0: This is really an amazing story. Uh, and I, have to think that, uh, all of this wove its way into your decision to run for office.
1: Oh yes. Cause, sh- uh, shortly after I didn't return the call and people were, you know, p- some people were messaging me on Facebook, f- fellow employees like, Oh, you should come back. You know, we really miss you. And it's just like, I just can't do it. You know? Um, and then I went to, a, I I started, And actually, I've been um, following the Powder River Basin Resource Council. They were way ahead of this whole Black Jewel thing. And they did a lot of um, work trying to ensure that, you know, Contora didn't get out of the, I can't speak of the exact language, but if if the PRBRC wouldn't have been involved, it would have been a lot worse for Campbell County because they made sure that Contura held on to the permit, I think is what is the language I'm looking for. But then I, I attended a um, when coal is no longer king and uh, there were several people that spoke and spoke to me about like what's going on in coal country, and especially a woman called Adele Morris who works for the Brookings Institute. Uh, just they tried to follow the revenue stream of coal production. And it was just like, here she is, this major uh, whiz at economy, and she couldn't figure it out. She was just like, Wyoming is so bizarre and like not uh, transparent at all. So and then uh, after that, I was invited by the Wyoming Outdoor Council to be a citizen lobbyist and i was uh encouraged to tell my whole story during a public comment period for house bill four and uh it was a coal marketing bill and so i told him the whole story in a committee meeting and this basically was like treated like uh, we have to remember that coal made wyoming and we wouldn't have the lights on in the Capitol today if I mean there's a whole story on it
0: mm-hmm, it's right bond. it's the whole narrative and the whole
1: yeah and
0: all hail coal and and it's ah. and even and even the a lot of the democrats hold to that narrative you know they'll say you know we have to transition but we you know we have to understand you know how important this is and they treat it like this sort of sacred thing that we have to carefully walk away from and which i can understand but you know it's it's uh it, it, it's just so the realities of the different people talking about this seem very, very divergent.
1: Well, you're right on point there for like, I was uh, really surprised. I supported Mary Throne and then come to find out, you know, after she's on the public service commission, her strong affinity for coal mm-hmm. I was like, oh, my God, I, you know, I, I have not been paying attention because. uh, Yeah, that was yeah, a tough pill thing- to swallow
0: for a lot of progressives in Wyoming.
1: Oh, yeah. Uh, and that even the whole this whole election cycle, the. oh, uh, It's just been so ugly. And I appreciate you uh, um, saying that about my campaign, but it was rough as far as like you didn't really feel. Me personally, I was not going to get COVID, so I didn't do the door-to-door campaign, and it was uh, media-driven, but before I started, that was what I was going to do, is go around and talk to people, and and I did in my neighborhood and in different places that I could, but um, I ended up, you know, doing the Facebook thing, which I really don't like. Just the whole, I really didn't like that selling yourself aspect because that's just has never been part of my makeup. I just have you know, the way I was raised, you didn't like put a spotlight on yourself and this is me and
0: Mm -hmm. I'm gonna be able to do this. And but your message was so like and I think about like your message about um, holding companies accountable and how that's a you know that's a centerpiece of your platform. And that that in some way rubs hard against that narrative because the narrative is that uh, what's in the company's interest is in the worker's interest.
1: Well, that started fading pretty fast with Contour after we went through the alpha uh, bankruptcy. I um, had a surgery and came back, I think it was in 2015, and Contour, uh, in order to save money, had taken... Two weeks of my vacation, uh, you get 200 hours, and they had taken 80 hours, I believe, if I remember that right. Yeah, because I had 120. After 35 years of service, I had four weeks vacation. I came back from, you know, so they, yeah, big companies that they, they tried to like, you know, this and that, take your vacation time, take your personal time all kinds of stuff, you know, when we first started, that was, you know, we had a hundred percent medical and yeah, everything just started getting ugly towards the end, but I kind of trailed off there. I think you had a different question.
0: No, that's okay. I mean, talking about, you know, companies versus, versus workers um, and sort of the, you know, the, the assumption being that, you know, what's in the interest of the company is in the interest of the worker, but when they can't deliver on those promises, like you're talking about, you know, then, um, you know, hopefully people are inspired to try to do things like organize or run for office. And, but there are a lot of unique challenges with that, I think, in Wyoming. And you, and besides COVID, uh, you know, being a challenge in this cycle, uh, what were some other, uh, you know, kind of challenges or, you know, how did you How did you push back against that dominant narrative in your campaign? What did you try to do?
1: I had the media or the digital and that, but uh, it was really tough as far as flavor up here is you have to, you know, I've had people ask me, why didn't you just run as a Republican? Because you would have had a better chance. And I, you know, and it's like, because there's nothing about me that is Republican and I have a hard enough time being, uh, you know, following, the democrats in this state because they come off as yeah run for office it's gonna be great you know you have such a great narrative you have such a great um campaign platform but pretty much crickets as far as you know up north i Mm
0: -hmm. you know
1: i feel for people like in casper too jane ifland or levi shinkle it's like we were even deemed like small campaigns really you know considering cuz of where we live or I think in Campbell where it's like what is it 88% voted for Trump in 2016 so i just kind of wanted to be a little fly in the ointment and you know but i don't even think i got the uh, full uh Democrats even supporting me up here because a lot of them are crossover voters and they want to vote in the, everybody's the Republican, so they want to vote in the election. And I even had a friend that uh, did the crossover thing so she could vote in the primary, uh, made the mistake of voting absentee and turning it in before she changed her party affiliation and was told that by this office, the county clerk, said, that she couldn't change back. Um, I kind of made a little noise in the paper about that, that I would never do that sort of thing. So I think I may have offended a few and, uh, just the whole polit- the political thing is, you know, I wanted to go to the legislature to be, it sounds corny, but it, to be in the room where it happens, to be where, um, you know they make these decisions like hb4 a coal marketing bill where it was uh it could have been a million dollars which is seems like small potatoes a million dollars for coal communities like ours that are you know lost over 800 miners jobs or uh coal marketing and in the legislature chose coal marketing and that right. money actually ended up being dark money as dark they like money, to call exactly. it dark money exactly uh for uh in the end what's his name uh the governor's i think it's Luthy, basically just said well, i don't know why you'd have a problem with this he just said in the legislature that yeah that we use this money and i can't remember the um exact group that it went to but yeah just like owned it it's like so they're just saying it out loud what they do <laughs> well i think there's a myth among uh people that uh Almost have an obsession with you know making sure coal dies, but there's a myth that these workers won't do a different job because several of my old coworkers that are in the like I'm thinking 35 to 40 range, they'll they want to work and they want to have a uh, a job that's you know stable as far like uh, a friend of mine who sees the writing on the wall as far as like they ask like you see us getting laid off in this next year? And they couldn't answer. So he went ahead and um, applied for a job in Carbon County and is, I think, two days from now is going to find out um, because they want something that's, you know, uh, not coal-related, and yet they can make that higher wage for... Um, running equipment or industry the whole they'll they'll work anywhere is the impression that i got and i've talked to several people that it's like you know when they uh lost their job here they did go to different mining jobs like in alabama and and uh but it's like gold mine or like in nevada but uh people just want to I don't know if uh, I can actually articulate that right. Uh, I think people realize, you know, they've been told so many different narratives, they don't know who to trust. And there's a big mistrust with uh, with uh, people in renewables. But the guys that I, I know, they just want to, you know, take care of their families or, take, you know, have money in their pocket. It's not because they want to be coal miners. And then there's some that, you know, they really will go down with the ship. They think they can save it.
0: So. um, Well, you know, people need, people need stuff to believe in, I guess.
1: I just try to be sympathetic or empathetic with, um, it's like a, a death, you know, for me, I've had a year and a half to think about it and, there's even times I miss going back to work just because it was, you know, something I did for so long. And, um, there's a lot of pride in being able to fill a train or, you know, uh, on the production side of it, you're proud of what you do and a product and all that. But, um, I don't know. I just see coal is going to be around for a while. It's not going to be, you know, Biden's not going to get in and we're going to, like, Green New Deal this thing. It's, uh, they'll keep it going strictly part of, I think part of the reason is because uh, they don't want to pay for the reclamation.